0: So guys, I, I want to start this new series. If you've got your sermon notes, if, can I have your bulletin pull out in the sermon notes? Uh, I, I want to start our seven weeks together with really kind of a, a I, I call these things banner statements. It, it, it's a truth that we're going to hang over our entire study. And, and that truth is this, okay? It, it, it's kind of a big deal, that the church is of utmost importance to Jesus, all right? The, the, the church is of utmost importance to, to Jesus Christ. And I want you to listen uh, to what the apostle Paul uh, says about the church. And I'm in Ephesians chapter 5, starting in verse 25. I'm going to read verse 25, verse 26, and verse 27. And, and Paul writes this: He says, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church. All right, I'm going to say that again. Husbands, love your wives. Just as Christ loved the church and listen, gave himself up for her. For, that's for the church. Okay, Jesus gave himself up for the church, Paul says, to, to make her, that's the church, holy, cleansing her, the church, with the washing of the water by the word. He did this to present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or anything like that, but holy and blameless. And he goes on and says, so husbands, uh, love your wives like this, wives love your husbands like this, but what I'm really saying to you is a profound mystery because I'm actually talking about Christ and the church. And so when we understand Ephesians uh, 5 in, in context, not only do we know better how to love our spouses, but we know better how Jesus has loved us, uh, the body of believers called the church. And so I'll just recap this. It, it says, Christ loved the church. Christ gave himself for the church to make the church holy, to cleanse the church with the washing of water by the word. And he did this to present the church to himself, in splendor, so that the church would be without spot or wrinkle, so the church might be holy and blameless. You see, the church is of utmost importance to Jesus. And because the church is a group of people and not a place, okay, Jesus did this for people, because the the church is a group of people and not a place, then, then membership in that group of people should be of utmost importance to us. Like, like, who makes up this church of people that Christ gave himself up for? That should be important to us. How should these people live? What should their attitude be towards one another, towards the world, towards, towards this, this gathering time? Like, like that should be of utmost importance to us because Christ gave himself for this body of believers. And so, I, I want you to know that over the next seven weeks, like, like, this is just gonna be important. Seven weeks, and if, if you kinda do the math, that's about a seventh of our preaching calendar here for the year. That's a, that's a huge commitment. And so I, I just want you to understand this is a big deal. Now, now, with that in mind, I want to share three things with you about um, church membership, okay? And, and, and that's what I'm going to talk to you about uh, over the next seven weeks, really, is what it means to be a member of the church. And so the church is of utmost importance to Jesus. <clears throat> so our understanding of church membership should be important to us. Three things I want to share. Here's the first. Ready? I want you to know this morning that church membership is a biblical concept, all right? Church membership is a biblical concept. Now, I I say that, that, I I always feel, I'm like, that should go without saying. Uh, But people read the New Testament, and when you read the New Testament, you start in the book of Acts, like if you're gonna start in the book of Acts kind of studying the church and how the church happened, you see that the church kind of happens overnight, that God sends the Holy Spirit as he promised it would, that, that all of a sudden, Pentecost, Peter stands up and preaches, and there's a church right? And that church ain't a small church, and that church ain't a dead church. That church is a living organism, 3,000 people, baptizing folks, taking care of widows, like, and the, and the world is changed forever by this thing called the church, and it just kind of explodes on the scene. But but the thing is, as you walk through the book of Acts, and then as you walk through all the epistles that Paul writes, you, you hear the word church used over and over and over, but you never hear the word church member, Right? You don't see that phrase. And so there are some people, and hear me, I mean this, there are many people that have read the New Testament, they don't see the word church membership, so they think the concept of church membership is actually unbiblical. Unbiblical. They say things like, why do we have church membership? Why do we, we gather? Why do we, why do we vote? Why, why, why do we do those things? And so what I just want to say to you this morning is that the, the, the concept of church membership is extremely biblical, and I'm going to use an illustration to kind, of, to kind of prove that to you. Now, uh, this is a question so you guys answer. There is a theological term, there's a doctrinal term that we hold, uh, that we, we talk about a lot in church, that references how God reveals himself as Father, Son, and Spirit. What is that word? Trinity. Now, this Trinity is a huge word. It's so huge that that our belief in God as Trinity is the second statement in our statement of belief. You can go to fbcl.org, go to the website, look look at who we are, what we believe, all there. Right. It is the second highest statement in our doctrinal order that we believe God as Trinity. But the word Trinity doesn't appear in Scripture, okay? But as you study the full counsel of God's word, you begin to know that, that there is one God, Okay. And this one God who says over and over, there's but one God, there's but one God, there's but one God. But he, he, he presents himself to us in three persons. We have God the Father. We have, we have God the Son as, as Jesus comes. And remember, the Father has promised the Son. And so when Jesus is born, the Son is here. And then we have God, God the Spirit. And and we we see all three uh, parts of, of 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 God right all, all three persons of, of this one God at work simultaneously throughout Scripture we see them in creation we we see them in 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 uh, in, in Jesus baptism we see them in Jesus resurrection where 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 the Scripture actually says that uh, things like you know God raised Jesus from the dead. And this is in Jesus said, uh, nobody has the right to take my life from me, but I'm gonna lay it down and I'm gonna take it back up. And then there's another scripture that that the Holy Spirit raised Christ from the dead, right? Why? Because there's one God or presents himself to us in three persons. And so what I'm gonna suggest to you this morning, I I believe church membership is very similar to to that, that you don't find the word in scripture, but as you study the full counsel of the New Testament, you definitely see the concept of church membership. And we especially see it as as Paul um, writes to us uh, uh, about the churches. And and so what I want you to see this morning is that when Paul writes the churches, he he is writing specific groups of people, uh, specific groups of individuals about about things that they're struggling with. And so I want to start with um, the church in Ephesus, since we're already in Ephesians. So um, uh, Ephesus, uh, the church in Ephesus, Paul writes this in Ephesians two nineteen. He says, "So then you're no longer foreigners and strangers. Like that's you're not those people anymore. You've been saved. Uh, you, you've accepted Christ. You've believed in Him. Um, you, you've been you've publicly identified your life with Him through believers' baptism. And he says, "So listen. Now you are fellow citizens of." of the saints and you are members, there's, there's a word there, members of God's household. Okay. And then he says this in Ephesians 3 6. He says that the Gentiles are co-heirs. They are what? members of the same bodies. And so So it's not just you Jewish people that have believed in Jesus, but all of the Gentiles are members of the same thing that you're a member of. And Paul's gonna call this a body. And he says, and they're partners in the promise in Christ and Jesus through the gospel. In Ephesians four twenty-five. he puts it this way. He says, therefore, uh, putting away lying, speaking the truth, each one of you uh, to his neighbor, because we are what? Members of of one another. And so Paul's just kind of presenting this case like, like, like there's a this membership thing that is happening. There's membership in heaven. There's membership with one another. Uh, there's membership in this body, he is saying. So he's presenting that, that case, okay? In, in the book of Philippians, I, I want to turn there, if you don't mind. And so I, I, I just have a good little chunk I want to read. So in Philippians chapter 2, uh, starting in verse 12, This is what Paul writes to the church in Philippi. He says, therefore, my dear friends, just as you have always obeyed, uh, so now not only in my presence, but even more in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Again, he's writing a specific body of believers. He says, for it is God who is working in you, both to will and to work according to his good purpose. Ready? Do everything without grumbling and arguing so that you might be blameless and pure children of God who are faultless in a crooked and perverted generation among whom you are shining like stars in the world by holding firm to the word of life. He says, then I can I can boast of the day of Christ that I didn't run or labor in vain. So so he writes in these words, right? I want you to do this. Um you you guys uh, do everything without grumbling, without arguing with one another. He 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 says that, like in chapter two, and I just want to prove to you, he's writing to a specific group of people that are known and identified amongst each other because you get to chapter four, and he says this: I urge you, Odia and, and Syneti, to agree in the Lord. Right, So Paul actually writes the book of Philippians to a select group of people who are struggling with arguing and infighting. And he writes the book to remind them that Jesus is bigger than that and that in Christ they need to agree. He says, so you guys have to do everything without arguing, without complaining, because you're supposed to be holding out the word of life, shining like stars in the universe as you do this. And so you two, so, so then he gets real. So tell these two ladies who belong to you to stop it. It's kind of a big deal. It's kind of a big deal. We see this concept of, of membership. And then, of course, guys, we have this in, in 1 Corinthians. And so I'm going to ask you if you don't mind to turn back on me. 1 Corinthians chapter 5, uh, perhaps... I'm one of, of the greatest uh, proofs that we have of this thing called church membership. I'm in First Corinthians uh, chapter 5, starting in, in verse 1. I'll read through verse 13. And, and listen, I, I know we're camping out here a little bit. But but we kind of got to start with this, that if we're going to spend six weeks on something, I think we need to prove that the six weeks we're going to spend, and I mean the next six weeks, we're spending seven total. But but hey, I want you to understand that it's important and it's biblical, okay? And so 1 Corinthians chapter 5, uh, starting in verse 1, it says this, uh, it is actually reported that there is sexual immorality among you and the kind of sexual immorality that is not even tolerated among the Gentiles. A man is sleeping with his father's wife right? He says, and you are arrogant. Shouldn't you be filled with grief and remove from your congregation the one who did this? Did you hear that? You need to remove from your congregation, from your body of believers, the one who did this, okay? Um, let's see, where did I leave off? Uh, verse three, there we go. And so uh, even though I am absent in the body, I'm present in spirit. As one who is present with you in this way, I have already pronounced judgment on the one who has been doing such a thing. When you are assembled... It's Again, assembled in the name of our Lord Jesus, and I am with you in spirit with the power of our Lord Jesus. Hand that one over to Satan for the destruction of the flesh so that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord. Your boasting is not good. Don't you know that a little leaven leavens the whole bunch of dough? Clean out the old leaven so that you may be a new unleavened batch as indeed you are. For Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. Therefore, let us observe the feast not with old leaven or the leaven of malice and evil, but with the unleavened bread and in sincerity and in truth. I'm going to read down to 13. And he says, I wrote uh, to you in a letter to, uh, not to associate with sexually immoral people. I did not mean the immoral people of this world or the greedy and the swindlers, or the idolatrous. Otherwise, you would have to leave the world, okay? So he says, like, listen, I told you not to do this, not to associate with these people. I'm not talking about people in the world, though. Now, now, now Christians, we get this wrong, right? Because we're called to go into that world and to be a light to those people, and instead what we do is we, we withdraw from all those things, right? But, but yet then we're cool with them in our space. Right? I mean, we're we're fine if other Christians divorce one another. Oh, just dear person. No, no, like it's 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 like it's not tolerated in the body of Christ. And and so so this is what they saying. Like, listen, so I, I didn't tell you to withdraw from the world. I told you to withdraw from other believers that aren't living this out the right way. And so he says, Listen. Uh, But actually, I, I wrote to you not to associate with anyone who claims to be a brother or sister that's sexually immoral or greedy. Again, I actually wrote to you not to associate with anyone who claims to be a brother or sister and is sexually immoral, greedy, idolater, verbally abusive, drunkard, or swindler. Do not even eat with such a person. For what business is it of mine to judge outsiders? Don't you judge those who are inside God judges outsiders, remove the evil person from among you. So again, here's how this ends up, right? Paul sees this. He said, this is a body of believers of Jesus here in Corinth. And in this church, you have a problem. In this church, this body of believers that assembles to worship Jesus Christ in Corinth, you have someone among you that is sleeping with his mother-in-law. And you need to kick him, and by the way, I assume her, out. So he says, you, you have to put them out of what? Out of the congregation. You've got to put them out of the fellowship, okay? You have to treat them as an unbeliever until they repent and they, they realize what, what, what has happened, okay? You've got to treat them the way that they're acting, like that they're owned by Satan. You, you just kick them out, Okay. Again, we, we couldn't do this. And so I, I just want to start here. By, by the way, Jesus, same thing. People are like, well, Jesus didn't talk about it. What is Matthew 18? Right? What is Matthew 18? He says, if your brother sins against you, right? You go to him in private and you say, hey, man, you've, you've injured me, Right? He says, if your brother doesn't, doesn't like confess, if he doesn't repent, then you go grab two or three brothers. And you go to him again in private with two or three brothers and say, hey, hey listen, man, you, you've hurt me. You've injured me. You've sinned against me. This is all within the church, Jesus is saying. And then listen, he said, and then if he still doesn't repent, you know what you do? Then you bring that person. What does Jesus say? You bring that person before the church, before the assembled group of believers. That's what you do. So here, I, I just, listen. The church is of utmost importance to Jesus. And the concept of membership in the thing called the church is biblical, okay? So when we spend the next six weeks from here on out talking about this thing called church membership, it's important, okay? It's important. I just want you to know that. So we start there. Two other things I'll share and then we'll be done. Second thing I want you to know this morning is that church membership is about something we do not just something we are, okay? Church membership is about something we do, not just something we are. And so uh, the the metaphor that the Bible uses most commonly uh, to describe the, the, the church is a body, right? That's what it uses is a body. You guys familiar with that, right? Um, and, and of course, we often like to to think of church membership that way. I am part of the body, right? And that's true. I, I am part of the body. You are part of the body. If you're a believer in Jesus, you are part of the body. That, that's absolutely true, okay? And that statement on its own um, would, would, would be fine if the church was a place, okay? If the church was just a place, then all you would need was that statement, I'm part of a body because it's a place, right? Okay? But, but, but again, it, it, it's, it, it's not a place. Now, if it was just a place, it'd be like Costco. It'd be like Sam's, right? I mean, it's it's just, it's an inanimate place. It it, it is. It's it's just a place. I'm a member of Costco. I get a great deal on rotisserie chicken, okay? I mean, it's ridiculous. It's like four bucks or five bucks or whatever. You can't get uh, rotisserie chicken for five. I'm a member of Costco. I get gas cheaper than anyone in the world, okay? Now, I wait for hours at the pump to get it, but uh, you know what I'm saying? I'm a member of Costco. I, I can get anything you name in amounts that will take me months to consume, okay? So I'm a member of Costco, have privileges, right? I'm, I'm a member of Sam's. I, I'm, uh, I, I'm a member of AARP, right? I, I'm, I'm a member of the country club. If the body is a place, if it's a location, uh, then, then church membership is a noun. I am a, a member of a noun. I, I, I'm just a member, I, that, 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 that's like a noun. I'm a member of a church, but if it's a location. But, but the problem is that's not how the church, uh, or that's not how the Bible talks about the church. The Bible talks about the church as a body. Okay, and now we just celebrated Easter, and we learned that uh, the body of Jesus ain't in the tomb, amen. So, like the body of Jesus is is risen, uh, Jesus is alive, amen. So we just celebrate. so just as Jesus is alive, I want you to see this. So is the body that He calls the church alive. And because the church is living and because the church is active, because the church is supposed to be moving, supposed to be teaching, supposed to be serving, supposed to be holding out the word of life, supposed to be the light into the world. So because the church is a body and a body is alive and the body is acting, therefore church membership isn't something I am. It's something I must be doing. You follow me? Because the church is alive. Because Christ is alive. Because Jesus is the risen son of God. And, and his body, his body is physically alive. His, his church body also is alive. And it is not meant to be dead. It's not meant to be a place that I get. Rather, it is something because it's alive and it's functioning. I must be functioning too. Okay, we're going to get into that next week. We're going to get into that next week, okay? So we just have to start here. This is really, really important. I just want you to see it. I want you to see it clearly, okay? And, and, and so um, we'll, we'll just start where, there. I, I just kind of want to drop that. And here's, here's the last point. And we'll be done. And guys, we're just setting the table this morning. Uh, this is, I, I don't like to preach in, introductory messages, but I thought if we jumped right in, you guys would be floored next week going, oh my gosh, what's he talking about? Because um, starting next week, we're going to make commitments. You guys, are, you guys are here. You're not afraid of commitment, right? <laughs> okay, we make commitments, and, and, and hear me, it's its not commitments, I'm not asking you that you have to fill out some card, and you have to serve somewhere, uh, because the church is alive, and you should be doing something, though you should, um, that's not what I'm, it's going to be, it's going to be commitments about your attitude, about your attitude, right? I got six weeks to talk about your attitude towards this thing called the church and, and that's what we're gonna do. And so that's why I said, hey man, it's not gonna be for, like like we all need it, but some of us are gonna be offended by it, but that's good, it's a good offense, it's a good offense. And so uh, last thing I wanna share with you guys is church membership is about what I can give, not just what I can get, okay? Church membership is about what I can give, not just what I can get. Every other membership I can think of uh, kind of works this way. You pay some money and you belong to a special club or group okay and with that special club or group cuz you've paid some money you get you get special benefits right uh so if if you if you pay to be a part of a country club you get the best tee times okay there's a private little locker room that only you can go in there is uh, there, there's discounts on on all your 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 uh your green fees and, and cart rentals, all this Like, there's just special, uh, there's special membership. You can walk in and, and eat whatever you want to and they charge it to your account. Everybody else, they're like, I'd like to see your cart up front, sir. Uh, you know, I mean, it, it's just the way that it works. Uh, that, that's kind of Costco. You get the cheap gas and rotisserie chicken, all that stuff, and I could go on. But that is how the world works. I pay some money, I get to be part of the club, and I get special perks. I get, I get, I get, I get, I get. Now, sadly... Many people have taken that same mindset into the church, right? All right, pastor, I pay money, right? Uh, I, 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 I'm a paying member around here. Uh, my, my parents helped, helped, helped build this place. Uh, I pay your salary. I always like that one. That's fun when people want to go there. I'm like, well, really cool. We have that in common. I pay my salary too. I do. Is that tithe? I, 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 hey, awesome. High five. We got something in common. We both pay my salary. So I'll take what you say and then what I say and we'll come together in some kind of conclusion. So a lot of people in church treat the church like I, I, I pay and so I get, I want fill in the blank. Because I'm a paying member, I want to have some say in what kind of music we do. Because I'm a paying member, I want some say in what our congregation looks like right? Because I'm a paying member, right? I'm not, I'm not comfortable with it. fill in the blank. I'm not going to go there this one. It's not worth it. Okay. Listen, that's a broken ideology of what church is because church is not about what we get. Church is about what we give. And, and, and so again, I, I just, I, I know it's a lot of Bible throw at you, but turn with me to the book of Romans, Romans chapter 12. Last place I'll ask you to turn, I believe, um, Romans chapter 12, this is a big deal. And, and this is a big deal, and, and, and this concept should kind of shape where we're heading, okay? So Romans chapter 12, starting in verse 3. And uh, if, your, if your Bible's like mine, mine has a little title. It says, many gifts but one body. So Romans chapter 12, starting in verse 3, we'll read through 8. And, and the Word of God says, this, it says, For by the grace given to me, I tell everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he should think. We should all underline that verse. All right? I mean that. Just listen, this is, the, this is the counsel of God's word. So when we kind of start feeling like we need to throw our spiritual weight around in the place called the church, listen to what Paul writes. For by the grace given to me, I tell everyone among you, don't think of yourself more highly than you should. Instead, think sensibly as God has distributed measure of faith to each one. Now, as we have many parts in one body and all the parts do not have the same function, in the same way, we who are many are one body in Christ and individual members of one another. According to the grace given to us, we have different gifts. If prophecy, use it according to the proportion of one's faith. If it's service, use it in service. If teaching, in teaching. If exhorting, in, in exhortation. Given with generosity, if it's giving, then with generosity, leading with diligence, showing uh, mercy with with cheerfulness. I I just love this pageant. Don't think too highly of yourself. That's important. He says, instead, use the gifts that God has given you. Ready? Take God, take what God has, has given you in humility. Take what God has given you in humility. Ready? And share it with other believers as they share what God has given them with you. That's the church. The church is a group of people that in humility take the gift that God has given them and they share it with others and they allow others to then take the gift that God has given them and share it back, right? And so it, it, the church is literally a cycle of service. That's what a church member, uh, church membership looks like. And so uh, guess what that means though? because that's, that's the biblical definition of church. What that means is that if there are some not doing that, the body can't function right, right? And, and, and so what happens all over the world is there are churches where only a handful of members grasp that concept. And so a handful of members are, 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 are serving everyone. And listen, other people aren't pouring into them. And they get burnout and they get stressed and their marriages struggle, right? Just think through that with me. The people that are serving us in Jesus are actually getting burnout and their, their, their marriages are struggling. Why? Because we are not sharing what God has given us with them. You follow that? So because church is that way, because it's living, Right? It's, it's, not a, it's not about what I get. It's about what I, what I, what I give. Because God has given everything to me. So God has given me this, so I've got to share this with us. Okay, so we're just kind of building the, these truths because here's, here's what we're going to do. Over the next six weeks, we're going to talk about what our attitudes towards the thing called church, which by the way, again, it's not a place. It's a group of people. Uh, what our attitudes are really like. We're going to lay some things bare. And uh, along the way, um, it, it may be difficult. I just want to be honest with you. We, we live in a world where many people have been hurt by people in the, in the church. We live in a world where we don't like people uh, saying, hey, I, I feel like you're talking to me, pastor, that you looked at me when you said I'm not doing anything. Like, I, I look at everybody. It's part of public speaking. You have to make eye contact with everybody in the room. If you haven't, go back and look at last week at Easter. I look over here, and I look over here, and then over here, and back to here. And then, like, it, it's just part of life. Okay, so I, I don't ever write anything, think about some. Oh, well, man, I'm telling you, that guy right there, he does nothing, all right? He does nothing. He doesn't do anything. I've heard from his wife. He doesn't do anything there either. I'm going to write a sermon for this guy. Now, I know there's going to be 259 other people here, but this whole Sunday is about you, buddy. Um, What did Paul say? Don't think more highly of yourself than you ought, right? Let's not not do that. So let me give you some applications. I'll give you some application, okay, that we walk through. Very first thing I, I want to challenge you to do as we prepare to enter in to the next six weeks as we examine uh, our, our, our attitudes it is to start here. Just examine your attitude towards church. I mean it. Examine your attitude towards church. What is your attitude like, right? Is my attitude like, hey, I'm hanging back, you know, I'm I'm not jumping in. I've been hurt before. I've, I've been, maybe you're one of those people here and you have been the person that poured out your gift and poured out your gift and poured out your gift and you were carrying the weight of, of, of a good chunk of the church and no one ever poured back into you. I'm sorry, man, I'm so sorry. Now, hey, I love you enough to say this, uh, get over it. I, that that's not an excuse. Guys, if that was an excuse, I would have stopped showing up a long time ago. I'm, I'm just, I, I love you enough to say that. Like, like the, the widow had took the little bit she had, she just poured. Like that, that, that's the call. And so, so I, so I love, like, like hear me, I, I'm, and you're not my main target. We're, we're talking to the people that aren't doing anything, but I'm just saying, those of you that like, I ain't doing anything because I did everything, that's one of the worst arguments in the history of mankind. I, like, so please don't come to me when we ask for somebody to serve in children's ministry or, or youth ministry. The, the worst thing you could say to me, I've been there and done that. Well, good, you've got a background in it, come on. That saves me a whole lot of training right there. You've already been there and done it. That's great. You could come teach others how, right? Okay. So, so I get it. I get it. So what I'm, what I'm saying is you got to examine your attitude. Why is your attitude towards biblical church membership not what it should be? Examine that, all right? In prayer this week, that's my challenge to you. Everybody got it? Okay, step one. Step two, all right? Ha, ha, ha. Don't just examine it. (laughs) The verse said, oh, dear Jesus, don't make me do this. Oh, dear Jesus, no. So we're not going to stop short here. No George Costanza. No, it was his dad. It was his dad. It wasn't George. It was his dad was the the stop short. Uh, We're not going to stop short here. We're going all the way. All right, listen. uh, Then you have to confess that attitude to Christ. When you get to the root of it and you say, okay, here is why. I view church this way, Lord. And then you, you actually have to say, Lord, okay, here, here it is. Here it is. I, I, I heard this week that church membership was, was about more than, than this or, or that I was supposed to have some different attitude. And so God, here's my attitude toward church. And listen, by the way, your attitude may be great. You may be here and you're killing it. God bless you. I'm not telling you they have to change. I'm just, your attitude might be great. That's, that's awesome. So confess your attitude to Christ. Last thing I'm gonna, I'm gonna challenge you to do, ready, is ask Jesus to change your attitude and make it like his. Ask Jesus to change your attitude and make it like his. You guys don't have to turn there, but I just want to share with you this last little scripture. It's one of my favorite passages out of the book of Philippians. Uh, Philippians chapter two says, adopt the same attitude as that of Jesus, who existing in the form of God, did not consider equality with God as something to be exploited. Instead, he emptied himself by assuming the form of a servant, taking on the likeness of humanity, And when he had come as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. All right, again, adopt the same attitude as that of Christ Jesus. So that's our challenge this week. That is week one. Woo! You guys look all excited. Like, yes, post-Easter, woo-hoo! Excited about this business right here. Here's what I wanna tell you, Um, what, what, what I wanna challenge you. Go home this week and, 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 and walk this out. I think one of the best ways to do it is to read Philippians 2 uh, every day. Go read Philippians 2 every day this week. Just read that little section about have the same attitude of Christ Jesus. This is what Jesus did. This is why I've got to have the same attitude. And then talk to God about your, that's all you have to do to come back next week. Just come back having thought about your attitude about the thing called church. I want you to take before God all the places you've been hurt. I want you to take before God all the wrong thoughts and feelings you've had. Just bring it before God. And just say, hey, God, man, listen, I, I'm, I'm kind of upset with the concept of church, if I'm being honest. Just be, I'm angry. I don't like it. I, 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 think, I think the church is, you know, we, last, last, last week we talked about a lot of people feel like the church is full of hypocrites. Well, so, so bring that before the Lord. I'm 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 mad at the church because of all these hypocrites. And I would say, well, welcome, right? Because here we 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 boast not in our our goodness. We boast in the goodness of Christ. We say we need Christ because of our our moral badness, right? So we we don't have anything to offer God, which means we're not hypocrites because we're saying we need Jesus. Every good thing in us is from Him. Okay? We, we can't do it on our own by ourselves. And so, so listen, we just want to start here. And so my invitation to you this morning is a simple one. Uh, it's an invitation to um, be open to examining your attitude about this thing called the Bride of Christ in the church for the next six weeks. Would you do that this morning? Would you just join me and, and come before God and say, God, I don't love this necessarily, <laughs> but I'm going to be open to this for the next six weeks to hear what you say about the church and what my attitude should be towards your bride, right? Whom, whom, whom you love and gave yourself up for, okay? Join me in a word of prayer. Father, thank you for loving us. Lord, uh, this morning what I pray is for an openness of mind and attitude. And God, I pray just in our midst, um, I think we've, 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 we've touched in some sore spots here this morning. There's some hurt in this place. We've still got some, some anger and some fear. Ah, just got a lot of uneasiness. Some people still are tired because they got burnt out years ago because nobody poured back into them. It's caused some resentment. And so they, they view your, your bride in the wrong way. So Lord, what I'm gonna ask right now, by the power of your spirit, just begin a work. You don't have to finish it today. But Lord, just give them an openness to examining their attitude towards your bride who you gave yourself up for, please. And God, let us all be in that place. Not making a commitment today other than a commitment to be open to hearing from you for the next six weeks. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, guys.